0: Hello, it's Tuesday the 23rd of April 2019, welcome to another episode of the PeterWrightsBlog.com podcast brought to you by Peter Wright, an independent thinker, writer and speaker who believes it's not what happens to you in life, it's what you do about it that counts. Today's podcast is about community, adult playgrounds and what comes next. Sounds like a strange mix, let me tell you why. All those three were on my mind this week for different reasons. Why? Because although they're all different topics, they're interconnected. Let's start with a look at adult playgrounds. We'll move on to community, ponder what's next, and see how all three might be connected. On the way to an event in Thorndale, Ontario on Wednesday last week, I listened to a discussion on adult playgrounds in Canada. I expected to hear about golf courses, climbing walls, paintball box or perhaps something a bit more sinister. To my surprise, the participants were talking about the same types of playgrounds children have loved for generations. I heard one of the women, I'd guess she was in her 40s, laughingly describing her enjoyment of playing in a ball pit, and there's a photo in the post about it. The interviewer then spoke to a couple in their late 60s who were having the time of their lives. They were regulars at the adult ball pit enjoyed the freedom of playing like children without having to worry about burying a young child under thousands of plastic balls. My first reaction was, really? It sounded as if I'm hearing someone entering her second childhood. Then I thought about it and realised that playing in a ball pit is all about having fun. It might not help your fitness level as much as running, cycling or walking, but it's probably a lot better for you than sitting watching TV. So who cares whether it's considered a kid's or an adult's form of fun? Is there really any difference? It's hard to know where adult playgrounds stop and outdoor gyms start. It seems many of the more successful combine both with outdoor gym equipment for the fitness enthusiasts, swings, slides, and more fun stuff for the others. There's a link in the post showing you a selection of 13 different adult playgrounds around the world, but the first one called a Chamber of Horrors, I don't know if that's rightly a playground. Britain is home to many outdoor gyms and adult playgrounds. One example is an innovative park in Hull that lets users generate electricity for the grid as they pedal, push and pant their way to fitness. Fitness experts are seeing many advantages of taking gyms outdoors because many users are put off conventional indoor gyms by the price of membership, crowded facilities, noise and rigid scheduling. In contrast, Outdoor gyms are generally built by municipalities, are free and can be used at any convenient time. There's a link there to a BBC report on a a few different British gyms and playgrounds. Let's move on to community. The event I attended was the Teeny Tiny Summit, it was held at the Purple Hill Music Hall, which is a really incredible place, and there's a link in the post to that too. The theme was Big Ideas for Small Places. Small towns and villages in Ontario are slowly dying. It's not a new thing. It's been happening for decades and is affecting small communities in most of the world. The urban drift's hard to reverse. You know, more new jobs are created in large cities, and the attraction of city life is hard to resist for under or unemployed young people. As rural populations decline, businesses and service providers in small towns close their doors. The ability to use the internet for many transactions that only 10 years ago needed a trip to the bank, to the post office or into town to pay bills has led to many of these closures. Business closures mean people move away, houses stand empty, less money in the local economy. The cycle repeats until the town becomes a retirement community or a ghost town. Teeny tiny summit. The keynote speaker was an Australian, Peter Kenyon from the Bank of Ideas. Again, link in the post. He enthralled the audience of over a hundred with so many success stories from Australia and New Zealand it was difficult to remember them all. I wrote about one of these in a post on Tiny Home Geniuses. There's a link there too. Other speakers presented heartwarming Canadian success stories about small towns being revitalised. The Mayor of Lucan, Cathy Burkhart spoke about the successful campaign to win the 2018 craft hockeyville award for lucan sheila morrison shared the success of the elza craig quilt and fiber arts festival arden mclean and becky clark two young ladies took us through the development and launch of the i love thorndale promotion which has now inspired other small communities in ontario and beyond Terry Lee Kelford of Cornerstone Landing Youth Services spoke about the problems of homeless young people in smaller communities, where there were fewer facilities than in larger centres. Encouragingly, she mentioned positive moves by provincial and local levels levels of government to make it easier to build or park tiny homes on residential plots. In addition, she told us about her organization's plan to build a tiny home community with five tiny homes as a pilot project for affordable housing for low-income owners. So, what was the takeaway for community survival? The most important message I got from the summit was the fact hammered home by Peter Kenyon and endorsed by all the other speakers was that the survival of small communities starts within within those communities. It does not start with a government grant, a fact-finding commission, an outside project, a team of experts or a government development program. In all the successful communities which had avoided extinction and a few which had surpassed their former glory, someone or a small group did something. That someone or group decided that their town was not going to die. They looked at their resources, had a vision and worked with what they had. A leader or leaders soon emerged, others caught the excitement and things started happening. That's when some communities decided to get advice from consultants, get grants or talk to sponsors. Some teamed up with neighbouring communities. Artificial Intelligence, Remote Workers and Community Technology in various forms is taking away traditional jobs by automating many and exporting others to developing countries. In some ways, for example by making online shopping and banking easier, and by making farmers less dependent on human labour, it is aggravating the slow dying of small communities. The same advances in technology and changes in the nature of work are making it easier for many of us to be remote workers. I am recording this podcast on a computer in my home office on a farm in a rural area. A farm, it's not even a hamlet or a village. The nearest small city is only 12 kilometers away, but with a mobile phone, laptop and internet connection, I could work anywhere. I can also write for clients on the other side of the world. One of the companies I'm working with is a local business called Kerry Tech Solutions, a link in the post, and they provide skills in the reverse direction. They find technical workers in Europe to provide unique expertise to North American businesses remotely. With a partner in Europe, another in Waterloo, where <clears throat> we communicate with each other and clients by video conference call from the comfort of our home offices. Let's go back to why are adult playgrounds and cities becoming popular? Because many city dwellers enjoy being outside, being able to exercise in the fresh air, being able to just come and go as they please, not have to squeeze visits to overcrowded indoor gyms or entertainment centres into tight schedules. These facilities offer a degree of freedom and simplicity. The pressure to develop more land for urbanization takes away farmland needed for growing food. It doesn't make sense that schools, houses and commercial buildings in smaller centers are standing empty, doomed to decay, while acres of farmland around new urban housing developments are being turned into housing, all requiring more acres for new highways, shopping malls, parking lots. If the projections of a decline in the global population mentioned in a previous post, there's a link there, are correct, many of these new developments may be concrete and asphalt deserts in my grandchildren's lifetimes. So what's next? How can the problems of dying small communities, loss of traditional jobs, expense and stress of living in a big city, damage to the environment by long commutes and traffic jams, be turned into opportunities with advantages for all the players. Why do people like living in small communities? Clean air, healthier, short or no commuting times, lower housing costs, friendlier neighbours, closer to nature, lower crime rates, that's peaceful, lower stress levels, less impact on the environment. All of these are about quality of life. Over the last 20 years, technology has overcome many of the old disadvantages of living in a small community, income, many opportunities to work remotely, entertainment, streaming video services overcome the old problem of poor TV reception. We have online commerce for banking and shopping, and deliveries are made frequently to small centres. Boredom, there are many opportunities for exercise for volunteer work, for exploring the countryside, for community activities. One of the complaints used to be housing, antiquated houses, there's some beautiful old houses going at really good prices in some centres. But many other small communities have modern housing choices with new subdivisions. So what's my conclusion from all this? From the summit it's clear that the trend of small communities fading into extinction can be reversed. Small communities have a lot to offer increasingly jaded big city dwellers. Technology, simple economics, new forms of entertainment, opportunities for a healthy lifestyle and concern for the environment can all work in favour of small towns and villages. It has to be a bottom up, starting from the inside process. It just needs one person to start, to have a vision and get others excited. What do you think? Do you see advantages in revitalising rural communities? leave a comment. Thank you for listening.